2 Timothy chapter 1, and this uh, is Paul's farewell letter. It's the last letter that he wrote. He wrote from uh, not the rented house as the book of Acts ends, but uh, uh, he wrote from what was now called the Mamertine uh, dungeon in the city of Rome. It was a place of uh, final resort. Uh, very few people that ever entered those walls ever came out alive. They, most of the time it was for the worst and greatest criminals in history of Rome. And almost without exception, those that went into those doors were only brought out that they might be executed. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. Just to give you a little idea of the conditions in the Mamertine dungeon, the city of Rome, and remember this was about 68 A.D., uh, the city of Rome had underground sewers, much like almost any major city does. And guess where the Mamertine dungeon was built? The sewers of Rome flowed around the dungeon walls. And so you could imagine that there had to have been leakage into the prison. It would have been always dark and dank and uh, full of disease and vermin and all of these wonderful things. And this is where Paul was living. The emperor was the famed Nero. He was brought before Nero. This time he would not be uh, set free. He would be killed, and he was looking forward to that coming, uh, not necessarily going, hey, I'm going to die, but I mean, that's the only thing Paul had to look forward to. And as he was in these uh, situation and in these circumstances, he writes this final letter to Timothy. And we'll just start reading in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ... By the will of God. Now, we could stop right there and spend the whole night on that one phrase, could we not? Paul said, I'm an apostle by the will of God according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also... Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not called, given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not, therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, 
which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, I don't know if we'll get through all 12 verses tonight, but I hope that you could pick up on the, uh, we would call it the optimism, the joy, the direction that Paul's life was headed in spite of the dire and deadly circumstances that Paul found himself in. And we'll just dive into verse 1. Paul, even though he was a prisoner of Rome, even though he had no freedom at this point, he was... Uh, uh, like I said, in the, in the dungeon, the central prison of the city of Rome, he still identifies himself. He says, I'm still an apostle. I have not lost my relationship with God in spite of the fact they've taken my freedom away. They've taken everything from me. They've put me in here. They've condemned me to death. It's only a matter of time before I leave this life. But guess what? I'm still an apostle of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest problems that we have and we face today is people give up hope so easily. We just turn aside and we say, it's over, nothing good is going to happen Uh, I've read letters from preachers talking about our current president. It's over. America's gone. It's all history. I'm not one that's going to believe that yet. I mean, when they come and they close the doors and put us in prison for preaching the gospel, that will be the end of this country. But let me tell you, that hasn't happened yet. And as far as we can tell... It's not any danger of it happening anytime soon. We better be faithful in our service to God. And by the way, even if it does happen, we'll still be servants of God. Amen? They can't take that away. Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. This was Paul's calling. This was his life. This is what he was doing. He said, I have the authority. I mean, we look there in this idea of apostleship. I've often referred to one of the first tracts I found on the street in New York City. It said, Apostle Johnny Walker. And I'm sitting here going, wow, there's an apostle. No, what I said was, there is some poor deceived man who thinks he's an apostle. An apostle is an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. He is one that was specifically verbally called to serve God as an apostle in person by Jesus Christ. Paul got his calling on the road to Damascus. 
He was trained by Jesus according to the book of Galatians in the Arabian desert. Paul was an apostle born out of due time. The other apostles, Peter said, listen, we're not following cunningly devised fables. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He said, we heard God speak from heaven. We can tell you that these things that happened really did occur. You know, no one's been able to break the testimony of this book called the Bible without changing the words. That's why they argue about the words today. Because they want to break the testimony that is here. But if you just take the words of this book called the Bible, it gives inconvertible testimony. You can't change it. You can't break it. One of the things every police officer is trained in is they're trained to ask you questions. And they ask them a certain way. And they ask the same question over and over again to see if you're going to answer the same question a different way. Because if you do, then they know you're lying. How many times have we heard news reports of some heinous crime, some group of men doing some horrible thing only to find out it was a big lie? Why? I can't remember what the one story... Oh, yeah, the one story was a young lady was late for work and she didn't want to lose her job. So she made up this story about being abducted and all kinds of things and... And, of course, the news media put that out and everything. And then the next day it was, well, she made the whole story up so she wouldn't lose her job. Well, guess what? More than likely just happened. Don't lie about it. Amen. Paul said, listen, I'm an apostle. By the will of God. In the Mamertine dungeon. By the will of God, looking only forward to his execution. It would, my prayer for each one in this church, is that we could be satisfied and know God's will for our lives and do it. It's not a complicated thing. But how many of us want to shade that just a little bit? If someone had told me 22 years ago we'd have 12 kids, I'd be sitting here going, No! But God's will, day by day by day. And like my father-in-law said, which one would you send back? None of them. I love them all. And I want God's will for my life. Amen? I was talking with Brother Clayton the other day. He says, Pete, you should have never left me. And I said, I didn't want to, Brother Clayton. I wanted to travel with you. He said, you said you weren't going to leave me. And I said, Brother Clayton, don't, don't talk to me about going on the road again. I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I've got to stay here. But I'll, I'll tell you, the will of God 
to accomplish that with your life. Paul was at the end. He had the knowledge, maybe not the exact date of his death, but he knew it was imminent. Read, he said, uh, I am ready uh, to be offered. My departure is at hand. I mean, Paul was one of those people that knew when his death was coming that he would not have very long to live. And so as he was looking at this time, he was writing a letter to Timothy. But he says, listen, Timothy, I want you to understand something. Even though I'm still in prison, I'm still here. I'm still an apostle. And I'm here by the will of God. I'm satisfied with my life and my obedience to God. I would that the time comes for me to die, that I'd be able to echo those words. That I am satisfied with my obedience to God in my life. And whenever God is ready to call me home, I would pray that I'd be able to say as Paul did. He says, Paul, an apostle... Of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now look at this next phrase. It's almost contradictory, is it not? According to the promise of life. Now what was Paul looking forward to? Death? He said, no, no. It's not about death. It's the promise of life. You see, Paul had lived his life. And see, the greatest comfort you can have when you're facing death is that you did right with your life. You want to prepare to be ready. You better live the way God wants you to live. One of the saddest things about funerals is you can tell when someone is carrying around the burden of things they were never set right, and now never will be set right. I remember talking to one young man, and he was having some difficulties and things with authority figures in his life. And I said, listen, I said, how long are your parents going to live? I said, how long are they going to... If they live another 20 years, you're going to be out of the house in just a little bit of time. Just pull in your horns and enjoy your time with your family. Because we're not that long with anyone here on this earth. Amen? Paul said, listen, I've lived my life. And I'm satisfied. You want to stop a midlife crisis? That's how you do it. Invest your life for the gospel. But Paul was not only thankful for the life that he had lived. He was thankful for the promise of eternal life. I want you to turn with me just to Philippians. And we could, boy, I could just go to so many verses and different references uh, we could take this book and, and make it an index of the writings of the Apostle Paul. But then we would miss 
the actual message of the letter by doing that, and so we want to keep this. But Paul had written the book of Philippians probably about six years before, something like that, according to one chronology. Uh, the, the book of Philippians, he was in prison the first time, and he was writing to the Philippians and, and explaining to them. And, of course, Paul uh, looked forward to his court date and being released, which he was. He was in, in prison for a period of about four years, and he wrote this book. Now, look down with me to verse 21. He says, "...for, me, for to me to live is Christ..." And to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of your faith. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing. Six years later, things have changed drastically. But can you see the same message and the same belief still there? I I never will forget, as long as God gives me a memory of being uh, told that when I really understood things, I would give up my literal understanding of the Scripture. Well, I praise God, I've never understood things that well. Uh, I still believe, and I believe more today than I did uh, nearly, well, let's see, in next month it'll be 24 years since I graduated college and entered the full-time public ministry. And I can honestly tell you, I believe more today and stronger in the same things that I believed when I graduated college than I do right now. Because this is truth. And Paul is saying, listen, I'm in prison. I'm looking forward to death. Not that I'm happy about it, but that's what the future holds for me. But I'm here because of the promise of life. I've lived my life. And when they end this life, I'm just going to go to be with Christ. What what a testimony. This is Paul's introduction to Timothy. Uh, I want you to imagine, if you could, just for a moment, that you were Timothy. Now, Timothy had been struggling in that church at Ephesus for several years and Paul had sent him to different places and eventually Timothy would become the pastor of the church at Ephesus and he would serve there for many years. And here comes a letter from Paul that he knows Paul is in prison and he knows that things are not going well for his mentor and he looks at this letter and he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul's not discouraged. Amen? By the will of God. Paul's satisfied with his life. He understands that God has called him to serve according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. 
I'll tell you, I love being around old preachers. They tell me, they remind me, not verbally so often, but, hey, you can finish this course still serving God. Every time I go to a preacher's meeting anymore, I hear about another preacher flunking out of life, flunking out of the ministry. People I went to school with, people I knew. And and I'll tell you, there's nothing more discouraging than that. I'll say, how's so-and-so doing? Oh, you don't want to know. Yes, you're right, I don't want to know. Don't tell me anymore. But here was Paul. Still an apostle. By the will of God. According to the promise of life. The same promise that Paul had been teaching all those years when he first met Timothy and brought him along. Then he addresses Timothy, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, that reminds reminding Timothy of a few things. He was saying, Timothy, guess what? I'm not going to be here long. But you know something? There's somebody that's going to carry on my work when I'm gone. And and as a father, I want my children to carry on my name, our branch of the family. My brother, next brother, has two daughters. And my youngest brother will probably never marry anything but his football schedule and a few other things like that. If there's going to be any Montoros go on, it's, it's, it's in my family. I, I want my name to survive. But I don't want it to survive in the wanted posters on the post office wall. Amen? Uh, I don't want it to survive in infamy. I, I want it to survive in a good testimony. And it's the same way in the ministry. Paul looks at Timothy and he said, Listen, Timothy, you're my son in the ministry. I'll tell you what, I want to be counted as one of Brother Clayton's sons in the ministry. As one of Roy Thompson's sons in the ministry. They were the men that ordained me. Dr. Smith says, I still count you as one of my preacher boys. Praise God. Because I want to carry on the testimony of what has been before. But I'm looking forward to men like Brother Davis. We've set an ordination date. He's going to be ordained, Lord willing, during our missions conference this year. And uh, we're going to make a big deal about that because we ought to. Amen? And I'm looking forward to Brother Newberger coming and sending him out. And different men that have grown up in the ministry here and Brother Franz continuing. I want to see this happen because this is what it's about. Our faith does not belong to us. It belongs to God. It was here before we are, and by God's grace, it will be here 
after we leave because it is his. It doesn't belong to us. He has sustained that faith. He says, grace, mercy, and peace. And I read this, and I'm sorry, I just get a little miffed sometimes. remember having a talk with a Muslim man. He says, he says, I respect Jesus more than you do. I said, really? He says, because every time I use his name, I say, Jesus, peace be upon him. I said, but you don't believe anything about him. I do too. I said, Jesus is God. No, he isn't. I said, see, I respect Jesus more than you do. And we went back and forth. And I get so tired of this when people just think because they say something nice, it means something. Oh, God bless you. You better be careful who you say that to. There's some people out there that don't deserve to be blessed. Let me tell you something. Listen. Grace, mercy, and peace. Those are real things. You need God's grace every day. Don't just say grace. Don't just say God bless you. Make it mean something. God's grace is His unmerited favor. Without that, we have no breath. We have no moment of life. We have no hope of eternity. Without God's grace, we have nothing. It is God's grace that He puts up with us. How many times have you told God no? But you're still alive. Amen. You're here tonight. I don't see anybody. I see a few slumps, but I don't see anybody dead. Listen. We need grace. We need to live in that grace. You need to thank God for His grace. Grace, mercy, and peace. How many of you remember mercy from the Sermon on the Mount? We spent several weeks on that one word. You cannot receive mercy until you are beaten. You must acknowledge the victor. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen, acknowledge that Christ is the victor. Acknowledge His authority in your life. Submit to His mercy. And you that once were an enemy of God have now become His servant. That's what mercy is all about. God's mercy. If we could just live that today. If we could take a little bit of God's mercy with us. Let me tell you, it would help you not be upset with other people. Wouldn't it? If you could take a little bit of God's mercy and remember what He's given you, it'll make you a whole lot more patient. And by the way, you know how you give mercy to someone else? You have to beat them first. But do you know how you beat them? By not allowing them to drag you down to their level. Don't allow somebody else to steal your joy. Don't allow another person, another living human being. I'll tell you, when, when 
some of the things that have happened politically here in our country and stuff, and I got depressed and I, I just got all wound up and I said, this is it, we're going to see the end of it. And, and, and the Lord just, wait a minute here. Are you going to live today in defeat or in victory? Who has the victory? I know he said he won the election. And he can do anything he wants. That's what our president has said. But he's going to have to stand before God one day. God's not going to care how many pieces of legislation you pass. And he's not going to care about anything except Did you receive my grace? Did you receive my mercy? Did you admit that I am the victor? That's why we need to pray for that man. Amen? That's why we need to pray for our governor and our council and our assembly people. We need to pray for them like we never have before. Because if you don't pray, we could lose a lot of freedoms. Why are we supposed to pray for them? So that we can live peaceably and serve Christ. But I'll tell you what, if we're not given our freedom and we're not given peace, guess what we do? We still serve Christ, amen? Because He is the giver of mercy. He is the one who has conquered. I am the one who is conquered. Therefore, I'm going to serve Him. And when somebody comes to me and says, and tries to do hurtful and mean things in our direction, sometimes evil things, guess what? He is the conqueror. I don't have to fight you on your terms. I'm going to serve God on His, and He'll take care of you. Amen? And the last one is peace. How many of you have the peace of God reigning in your heart? I'll tell you, this past week's been a scary week for us. I mean, when little Jason was born, things weren't all 100%. It was, the midwife was scared. He was not breathing the way he should have been. In fact, when he was born, he wasn't breathing at all. But God was there. The prayers of God's people was there. And both my wife and that little baby are in this service tonight. You have no idea what an answer to prayer that is. We don't do what we do because it's fun. We do what we do because it's the will of God. And he has to take care of those things. Listen, this was Paul's introduction to the letter. That's all the farther we're going to get. I had really hoped we get through verse 12 tonight because there's so many great things there, but you'll be patient with my slow plodding through the Scripture, I hope. Because I don't want us to miss things that we can get here. You see, God is the only place we're going to get these things from. It's when we serve God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord that we can have grace, mercy, and peace.
And you need that. You need God's grace. That's why I like singing, take the name of Jesus with you when we end a service. Because that's the only place you're going to get these things. And let me tell you, if you don't have enough grace to get through tomorrow, it's not because God doesn't have it. He's got plenty of grace. It's because we didn't go and get it. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we just ask that you would work in our hearts and lives. Lord, we pray that you give us a prayer time tonight. That we would truly pray to you. That we would see you work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we'll take just a moment if you...